Hey all, it's your co-host Nick here with Psychedelic Passage, and I want to share what our organization does and how we can help you on your psychedelic healing journey. We originally started Psychedelic Passage to give folks access to psychedelic therapy within the comfort of their own home. And in the process, we realized that most people have no idea what they're looking for in a guide and they don't know which providers are qualified. The consequences of sitting with an unqualified provider are dire. There are lots of self-proclaimed facilitators out there who simply don't know what they're doing. And unfortunately, facilitator abuse and ethical violations happen regularly in this space and result in lasting psychological impacts. To solve this, we selectively curated a network of providers all over the U.S. who operate with integrity. This allows us to help you as a client by advocating for you and your care without a conflict of interest, screening facilitators on your behalf to ensure they know what they're doing, and holding facilitators accountable for their actions, so you have peace of mind that the provider you're matched with is in good standing. Instead of searching through hundreds of unvetted online provider profiles, you can simply book a call with us and our concierge team will take into account over 20 different variables to get you matched to a trusted facilitator who can provide treatment in the comfort of your own home. We want to give you the confidence that you're sitting with the right provider for you. No matter where you're at in the psychedelic therapy journey, we're here to help. Simply click the link in the show description below to book a consult and get connected to a trusted provider today. Welcome to the Psychedelic Passage Podcast. My name is Jimmy Wynn. I'm joined here by my co-host and partner in crime, maybe soon to not be partner in crime with the way that the federal and, and state <laughs> legislation is, is moving. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing pop up everywhere. There's decrim bills, all bills here. It's so exciting to see. Before we dive into our episode today, we have a very exciting announcement that our new website will be launching or should actually be live by the time that this, this episode comes out. And so to give it some some preface, I haven't done anything. Nick's been working really hard on this website for like a year and a half. But when we envision Psychedelic Passage, when we first started 2019, yeah, many years ago, we didn't have any vision on what this was going to look like. A lot of it was reaching out to our community. A lot of it was listening to our own medicine work and all of that on how we want to show up into the space. And so when we built the website, it was Nick and I being these young, humble facilitators. And it was really oriented to that. Over time, our website has grown into a resource hub, has grown into you know, a place where people can connect with humans and actually get some answers and really connect with folks who can hear their stories and maybe connect them and to... provide care. Right, exactly. And so this new website, I think not only encompasses that journey, that journey for folks, if you are curious or interested in how psychedelics may interweave into your own personal growth, your own healing, your own mental health, I not only feel like this website is very representative of that, but also I would say that it is really a reflection on who we are as an organization, which I'm really excited about. And so 
props to you, Nick, on that new website. It'll be the same URL, www.psychedelicpassage.com. And I wonder if there's anything else before we dive into this episode that you feel called to share about the new website. Well, I hope you love it. We spent a lot of time on it. Our goal was to make something that was user-friendly, easy to navigate, easy to digest, easy to understand what was going on. And really, this marks a major evolutionary process for us as a company and as a brand. I mean, anyone that visited the old website, Jimmy and I did all of that ourselves. No professional help, no outsourcing, no nothing. And this was the first time where we got to feel supported in the the facelift, the rebuilding of our brand with actual designers and folks who could help us create a brand that that really was an extension of Jimmy and I and was an accurate portrayal of what is important to us and how we want to see the space evolve. And so my hope is that you all feel that when you visit the site. And my ask is that there, if you have feedback, if you have anything, feedback, good, positive, constructive, or otherwise, like, please share it with us. It's going to be a work in progress. It always is. But this is a big milestone for us. And and we're really excited to share it with you all. Yeah, thanks for that, Nick. We want to make some pledges to our community here. And some of those pledges is that we will always be doing our own work and we will always be listening. And be because of that, we will be in this constant search of evolving our services, evolving the way we engage and interact with you in a way that is relevant and makes sense for you. That's the whole reason why this podcast exists. Yeah, It, it wasn't to hear ourselves talk. We We don't need that. But we we realize, oh, there might be this platform that could actually help people. And now we have thousands and thousands of listeners who are actually tuning in and letting us know, hey, this is helping. And so we'll always be on that mission. And I think that the website in its new evolution and iteration is our meeting that pledge and really showing up in action to what that mission yeah, and knowing that the the landscape's continuing to change right. very rapidly. Mm-hmm. And so we need a vehicle that can adapt with the landscape. And and mm-hmm. so that's really what this new website and new brand is and and really excited for for you all to see it. We hope you love it. It looks sweet. It also comes with some new branding, some new illustrations, so there was the psychological patch is getting a facelift. So I'm really looking yep. forward to that. Well, let's dive into our episode today, which we have a, I think, a topic that will pique a lot of folks' interest, which is the relationship between music and <clears throat> psychedelic use. I'll preface by saying that our the context of our conversation will be related to intentional work, ceremonial work, typically in one-on-one settings with you and a facilitator. This may also apply to group settings and retreats and some things like that too. We can't speak as much to, let's say, uh, lineage work or indigenous work or cultural work related to psychedelics because those probably fall into traditions that are passed on, right? And even within different medicines, there are different traditions and approaches to music and things of that nature. And then we're also kind of ruling out the recreational side, which any if anybody's been altered at a concert or live music, music and festival all of that, or whatever, there, there yeah. is also that relationship with music and psychedelics. But what I'm weaving here is to show that in the history of human use of psychedelics, music has probably likely been involved the whole time. 
Yeah, whether even if it's thousands of banging years. rocks together or mm-hmm. a drum or whatever, like percussive or or chanting or vocalizations or things that don't sound like music, things that emulate nature, we also see a lot in 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 you know historic psychedelic use. And so there's a really deep relationship with music and psychedelics, and it makes sense because there's a deep relationship with humans and music. For some reason, we as humans have evolved to think that a string of notes and tones are attractive to us or that they evoke an emotion or a feeling to us or they bring up a memory. So there probably are other species on this planet that have some type of interaction with sound. But I'm going to guess, this is me being a biased human, that music is predominantly a human phenomenon and and i think that that's really interesting because also at the same time we humans have evolved to be able to have these psychedelic experiences or something there too yeah whether we know why i mean who knows but there's a reason why you can take a fungus or a substance or something and have an altered state of consciousness and so this is built into our dna to some degree totally so, I mean, where do we start given that this is such a, like a yeah. primal topic? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think, I think let's start around the relationship between music and psychedelics, and then we'll move into some more of the tangible, actionable, you know, things if you are engaging with music and psychedelics or working with a facilitator. So, you know, I, I know that one thing that you and I, agree on is that music is an integral component to the ceremonial experience to the ceremonial space and so what are some of the the top things on your mind on the why the the why is that the case well for starters psychedelics change the way we perceive sensory input and Mm -hmm. so the way that we hear music when we're in an altered state is profound it is fundamentally different to hearing the same song in a sober state and i'm sure you've experienced this but i've had clients go this is the most beautiful song i've ever heard like like this woman's voice is angelic and it's not to say they may not have thought that if they were just listening to it in the car but there's an amplification there's a there's a sensitivity to the tone, the note, the frequency, the music, the rhythm that that I believe is just enhanced when mm. you're under the influence of a psychedelic medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I have a hunch on the why. Well, I can't explain why, but the correlation <laughs> that I have here is that music inherently induces altered states of consciousness. Right. And we see this when folks are doing brainwave studies with sleep and music and, you know, stuff like that. But then I'm also reminded of people who have, who get moved in church or people who have, you know, who love devotional music as an example, or Or dude, someone's riding their Peloton and they need to push through the last, you know, 10 minutes. And they're like, put on a pump up song, like get me jacked. Right. Or you're in the car. And that one song hits that reminds you of that one thing. And then your states change, your emotional states change, your physical states change and all of that. And so, you know, the same way that I view like psychedelics being a pathway into these altered states of consciousness. So is meditation, breath work, certain things. I think music is another one of those pathways. So I'm like, it makes sense that the two go hand in hand. Now, I think some of the benefits of having music. Well, I guess let me back up. 
I think that music is a really integral part of the way that we here in the United States of America will engage with psychedelics moving forward. There's a history of this across many cultures and traditions. There's also instances where music is not involved, especially if you are in ceremonial space with sacred silence. I know that there are some communities and groups who do medicine work along with silent retreats or silent meditations and things like that. Um, I'm also mindful of people who are hearing impaired and people who have like, you know, disability or accessibility needs around music. But that's where there's a lot of cool evidence around like actually vibrational frequencies that are being worked with psychedelics, which which I think is really fascinating. And also, you know, if you're in an environment, let's say if you're in nature or something, and there are some, you're, those are just some examples of non-musical settings. But I would argue that if you're in nature, you're just tuning into the music of nature, whether it's the birds. Yeah, like is a bird song, the, not music? Come on. Right. Now. Yeah, exactly. So I want to start there. But I think you've highlighted some things on like, I think you said something earlier before this episode about how music can tie you to reality, some of those things. So, you know, what are some of those benefits, let's say, of music as a part of the ceremonial experience? All right. Well, you touched on one, which is for those who haven't journeyed before, when you're in an altered state, your perception of everything changes. And one of the big ones is like, what's real, what's reality and what is time? I think those questions come up in a journey. And music is one of the tethers to this reality and this time and space and just time in general. Like if a song is playing or we're we're switching to the next song, it is an indicator, whether conscious or unconscious, that time is in fact moving and establishes some sense of familiarity. Like, oh, I mean, we we started this episode with the primal nature of it. Like on a primal level, Mm -hmm. I'm hearing music, which means I still presumably have a body and I'm alive. And ears. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And, And so there very much is this tethering effect with music. And we see it with other things too, right? Smell or touch or whatever. But specifically, we're focused on music here. And so... This is definitely one of those ties to reality that is is kind of ever present in a ceremonial journey. Yeah, it's helpful to have these non-direct signals that you are progressing through an experience, particularly around the time dilation or when you feel like you've been in a certain space or state for in an endless amount of time. And so those little cues that you're talking about can also be be really helpful. And, you know, music is is a way of navigating the psychedelic experience, but not always the case because music can also be a distraction as well. But I don't think it's the music itself. It's how we orient and relate to music as a part of the component of ceremony. So I find some folks who get really hung up on a song or a something where it actually pulls them out of the experience because they're focused on the song. Now, again, it's between you and the medicine. So who am I to say that that's not the pathway that you need to take, you know, when you are engaging, but just know that because music can be such an influential part of the ceremonial container, 
clinical as well. I mean, we see this with Johns Hopkins, right? Like, uh, I think you mentioned this earlier, but they have preset playlists and things like that for a reason. So knowing that it's a really powerful component, you have to be really balanced in your use of music and the emphasis of it versus not because it can it can really shape or change the direction the flow of your psychedelic experience. Yeah, I would I would phrase it like music can be very directive. Mm-hmm. In the sense that if you put on a song that's inherently angry or angsty or whatever when we're in that super heightened state where we're we're hyper aware of everything it can easily push you in that direction. And the same would go for a very calming song. And so, and so Johns Hopkins actually deliberately does this in their playlist. You can go check it out on Spotify um, or Google it, but they, they deliberately choose songs that have tension and this buildup crescendo and then this release, because they're basically correlating that with the internal emotional work. Now, do I, as a facilitator, like, agree with that? I don't know. I mean, I think there's pros and cons to all of it, but to your point, it's about balance. Like if you have one or two songs with that kind of intensity, great, but you don't want a whole playlist that's like that. Otherwise the journey is like challenging is what Mm -hmm. is the word that comes to mind for me. And so, and so there is an art to musical selection when it comes to uh, accompanying a ceremonial journey. Yeah. And I'll also add a caveat that it really does depend on the person and the circumstance and the medicine and all of that. I, in between your words, what you're speaking to is control and power of which music can be a, an area in which a lot of that can manifest in the ceremonial container. And so what I share with folks is that if you're tied into this song has to play at this time and that this thing and that all that, you're already in this whole loop of control, which actually may be present in your experience for a reason, meaning that that might actually be the right example on how you might address control and how that shows up in your psychedelic experience. I'm reminded of a client who shared with me that in all of their own solo journeys, they just play this one song on repeat, which is this really incessant pounding drum. And they were like, this is just what I play on repeat and I have it loud and I have it. And, and, you know, I was like, that's your thing. That's your preference. I totally honor that. And then we talked and then we wanted to explore different things and different, you know, I'm in ceremony with this client about halfway through. They're like, I got to go back to the drums in my dark, my dark room, my dark music. And I'm like, I totally fucking support that. So let's do it. Then in the integration process, they were like, ah, this is how I tackle my whole life. The whole thing is the pounding and the direct and let me like excavate, excavate, excavate. And they're like, I need this other level of grace. I need this other level of like softness. So it's just like a nuanced example that not only is it about how music can influence your experience? But it's also like, what's your relationship to music? The same way that we asked, what's your relationship to ceremony? What's your relationship to the medicine prior? Like, if you only, to your point, use music as pump up jams during your workout, then there's kind of this limited template 
that your brain and mind is 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 used to or if you don't like music that elicits emotional you know aspects of your life then that can be really heavy when that comes right. up in your psychedelic experience and this is this is why so many facilitators and psychedelic guides have playlists that they use right specifically curated playlists that follow the arc of the medicine in other words there's a come up period there's a plateau period and there's a come down. There's probably more than just those three, but as a basic high level overview, like we have a stage of journey, people, specifically facilitators, spend a lot of time crafting music that accompanies those stages of the journey, knowing that the come up is roughly an hour, that the plateau is roughly two to four hours, that the come down is another one to two hours. And so over the course of what might be an eight or nine hour playlist, they're crafting it in accordance of how the medicine moves through your body. Now, they're also not a mind reader, so it's not going to be perfect. And what you often see is a lot of people who have a repository, uh, when I say people, a facilitator who has a repository of songs, and then is then kind of almost like DJing during the journey and kind of like hand selecting, hand choosing when to present what. Obviously, that can be a slippery slope, but when done thoughtfully, it's a beautiful experience. And and clients will often remark like, the music just changed at the perfect time and it Mm -hmm. was exactly what I needed when Mm -hmm. I needed it. And there's Mm -hmm. an element of synchronicity there that's very profound. Let me add this as a message to facilitators directly that that only works when you are 100% tuned into the journeyer. And so what you're describing here between the preset playlist like Johns Hopkins that's designed to elicit certain emotions and feelings at different times versus somebody who is having some intentionality, let's say there's a facilitator that does have a preset playlist that plays in an order, or for some folks, they are maybe adding in songs to the queue or, you know, like you're saying, doing this live DJing. If you were to focus on the next song <laughs> more than you are focused on the care of the journeyer, you're doing something wrong. So I just yeah. want to highlight that to folks that it's all in balance here. Myself personally, by the way, we're segueing into kind of the second half here, which I feel is the more like tangible, actionable aspects. And okay, we know how music is important. Now what? Like, how does this work? So we'll we'll orient kind of the second half of this episode towards that. I'll say for myself personally that I'm always aware of my like presence and control or agenda in, in ceremonial spaces. And I personally found myself caring way too much about queuing up the next song. Something that I've been doing, which has been working amazingly, is having a preset playlist. And then I put that damn thing on shuffle. Like I have the first intro like ceremony song that runs about an hour. And then after that, it goes on shuffle. And I will tell you whether it's AI or bots or something, it's always tied into the ceremonial place and it, the ceremonial place. And it always comes out mm-hmm. the way that, that the client, why well, I, I shouldn't say always, but I would be, I, I have more times where a client remarks to me, when you change that song or when you did that thing, it was perfect. I get more comments about that now with the thing being on shuffle than when I was selective DJing. Yep. Very and then I get to tell them, I didn't do anything. 
Right. I, I might have fast, you know, I might have skipped the song or something, but I was like, I didn't do anything there. I think that's one interesting thing that I've noticed as a facilitator is sometimes you got to change the song. Even when the client's in a place where they can't vocalize it for themselves, if you're really tethered to the client and you're really following where they're at in their journey, sometimes it's the wrong wrong song at the wrong time. And Mm -hmm. like, I definitely hit next if I get the sense that that's what's happening. And what's really funny, I'll share a little anecdote to, to, to illustrate the power of music. I sat with a client who was dead set on using the Johns Hopkins playlist. And I'm like, no problem. If that's what you want to use, no problem. It was actually the first time I, as a facilitator, had sat through a client using that playlist. And I found myself squirming at times. I'm like, this is terrible. Like, why? It's so uncomfortable at certain points. Like, I was having a visceral body Mm -hmm. response, but I just, you know, it was his request and I honored it and let it play. But wow, that was not a beginner playlist from my perspective. Like that really stirs the pot in that more kind of like directive way that we're talking about where they're deliberately choosing songs that are uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's everybody's prerogative. Those it's very interesting because a lot of those clinical studies that are moving towards FDA approval, it's in conjunction. It's like this substance in conjunction with therapy in conjunction with so on and so forth. And so in that case, you do have to have a certain prescriptiveness, right? Because it if you're looking at that variable of data of music, it has to be consistent across right. all of your subjects and stuff. So I get it, you know. But if you're in more of like a ceremonial setting, you can play around, I think, a little bit. And so, you know, I, I want to get a little bit more specific here where... Most facilitators will probably have some preset things, some preset playlists, maybe some songs and things that they're deriving from in their own experience or own teaching and lineage, or maybe they're pulling playlists or stuff from, you know, other folks or other sources. I would say probably every facilitator who does medicine work should have something like that. And then I also offer for folks to give space for their journeyers and their clients to also have some involvement here. So one best practice that I have, especially in the talking about music, first of all, consent, right? You got to talk to them. Do you want to use your playlist? Do you want to use mine? You know, what works here? And for some folks, I just even have them go through and be like, hey, just pick like 10 significant songs of yours whether it's from a certain time period or whether it evokes a certain emotion or you just fucking love the song or like whatever. And then we have that available in case we need to weave that into the experience. This is especially important when you are coming out of the experience and your landing gears come out and you come down and you're in the afterglow, that sense of familiarity of like, oh, these are songs that I know and love can be really, really helpful. And this just leads to the type of music makes all the difference, you know? And so you as a journeyer might not be down with devotional music if that's the type of music that your facilitator likes or medicine music or world music or or some of these things. And so you have your own autonomy and choice here, whether there's lyrics, no lyrics, genre of music, language of music, like all of that. I ultimately defer all of that to the journeyer. 
And then there are many journeyers who are like, this is one thing that I, I already am dealing with enough in preparation. If the facilitator can take the whole music thing off of my hands, that would be great. And that's also, you know, okay too. I also just want to highlight for those who are unaware, because this was something I was unaware of for a large portion of my life. There is music specifically designed for ceremony. <laughs> it is sacred music designed specifically for if not medicine ceremony, ceremonial work, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's Reiki, sound healing, massage, like like there is music that is designed to help the body's nervous system switch into a parasympathetic state, deliberately has minimal lyrics, minimal inherent meaning, and is designed to invoke the sense of sacredness. Mm-hmm. We see this with solfeggio frequencies, binaural beats. Exactly. And so, (laughs) and so it, I just want to highlight that the way there's a genre for everything, right? There's a genre for pump up and a genre for classical and a genre for rap. There's a genre for ceremonial music. It's a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I know for me personally, like I use a lot of ceremonial music when both as journeyer and facilitator, like if I'm journeying, that's what I like to listen to because it's, you can tell it's, it's designed for sacred experiences and what's really interesting for me personally is when i listen to it out of context i'm like oh this isn't the right time or space for that it's very Mm -hmm. much designed for like ceremonial sacred containers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah music is really powerful i mean it can bring us like we've been talking about like back to certain places emotions time periods in our life can remind us of relationships You know, music also can serve as a good navigational tool because when there is this synesthesia thing happening where your felt senses are all combined together in various outputs, depending on the medicine, like certain medicines do this more and less depending. And the felt sensory experience around this can be different depending on the medicine set and setting and all of that. But it can also be really helpful for you know, saying, ah, when this song came on, I went, I was going through this process or this thing came up or the so-and-so came up. And so it can also be these milestones within your psychedelic experience that can be super, super helpful. Well, I'm sure everyone that's listening has had the experience of a song coming on and it immediately teleports you to a time and space where you last heard the song or where it was like the first time you heard it or whatever. You're like, oh, the first time I heard this, I was at a football game, senior year of high school, and super meaningful hanging out with my friends. And the same thing can happen in the journey where a lot of times our memory of the events of the journey are a little fuzzy, a little blurry, kind of feels like a dream. Hearing the song again can often bring us back to that place, that feeling, that memory. And I've had clients specifically request the ceremonial playlist that I've used after the fact so that they can go back and listen Mm -hmm. for recall. Mm-hmm. I, I think the other side of this, which I want to caution people on, and it was actually a note that you put down before the episode, is that because music has this time capsule component to it, you also want to be careful if there are triggering songs or music or things that are associated to negative memories, traumatic events. Maybe you do want to use that song to recall a traumatic event, but that has to be in the context with the right support, the right people, the right amount of prep work, the right, like you probably need a therapist alongside you for all that stuff. But just be mindful that 
it can go both ways with with music or can elicit some type of repressed memory, negative memory, you know, something like that too. Totally. As so, we yeah, tread ahead. toward the end here, I'm curious what else, you know, you feel called to share around this, if anything. Well, I'm called to just get a little bit more practical for folks here. This is going to be just more straightforward advice. I hear all the time on whether people should use headphones or speakers. And typically the use of like over ear headphones is commonly found in the clinical studies, in the clinical trials, again, to limit variability of, of that component. If everyone's using the same speaker, the same playlist, the same, all of that, you can rule out a lot of the spontaneous stuff that happens. Myself personally, I prefer to not use headphones. I prefer a Bluetooth speaker, high quality speaker, something where there's sound in the room for a couple of reasons. One is that it can help with my communication and connectivity with the journeyer. So they don't have to pop out an ear or something if they need support or that they need help. The other, which I've actually found is that especially in psilocybin experiences where you're kind of in both worlds, like, yes, you are in the ceremonial room and you're having this altered state of consciousness. I've heard very commonly that for journeyers, they've actually felt a sense of grounding when they hear me shuffle around or when they hear me breathing or when they, you know, something just to, just for them to have a cue that my presence is there, even if I'm not directly engaged or involved in their psychedelic process at that time. Um, and really silly things. If you're going to use Spotify or SoundCloud or YouTube, get a paid subscription so you don't have any ads. Super important. There's nothing more mortifying than the song changing and you're getting, hey, $27 Tuesday at Ralph's, whatever. Like, <laughs> you're like, what is happening? We're in the middle of a sacred ceremony and you're getting an ad blasted into your face. Which I learned that at a very, very early stage of my <laughs> facilitator progression and also just be mindful that if you are gonna dj as a facilitator that the journey is hypersensitive to all things and so i'm you know if i need to skip a song i'm not gonna abruptly skip the song i'm gonna go and i'm gonna hit the volume button down 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 until it goes from 50 down to zero so that it can fade out I've set some fade in and fade out things like on Spotify. I'm aware of, you know, if a song is just more heightened energy, even if it's like jubilant celebratory, you know, type things, as opposed to, you know, something that's a little bit more mellow or like you're saying ambient or, or something like that. And so being the person who is in charge of music during a ceremony, it's a big deal. It's a big privilege and it's a, it's a sacred responsibility. It really is. And it so, is responsibility. That's the best mm -hmm. way to put it. You are responsible for managing the soundtrack of someone's six to eight hour journey. Mm -hmm. And it's really important that that's done with care and thoughtfulness for them, not for your own needs, wants, and desires as a facilitator. And I just want to second that I am a speakers all the way guy myself, like headphones mm -hmm. make it so hard to track 
where the client is in that process. And what's interesting is I had clients who, because of Johns Hopkins specifically requested headphones, we get about 20, 30 minutes in and they're like, can we switch to speakers? Or like, I feel disconnected. I can't like communicate with you. It's very immersive in here. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's just, you, I, yeah. <laughs> How do you turn on your side with, with open ear head with over ear headphones? You know, like most people who get enthralled into psychedelic experiences, how do they end up in the fetal position on their side? Yeah. And if you got this big old bulgy thing on your ear, you can't do that. And no. so it, it's just some practicality, I think, you know, around this as well. And I, I, for the record, also do the same thing. If you're going to, if you realize 30 seconds into a song that it's, it's not the right fit, don't just hit next, fade out lower the volume, invite in maybe a second or two of silence. A couple minutes of silence between songs can be incredibly grounding, healing, calming, and then you move into the next wave. Because that's often how how journeyers perceive this is like waves. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. to have a little bit of a downtime before the crest again is is actually can be very nice. Yeah, the implementation of silence can be, I think it is a best practice even when the silence brings up uncomfortability for your journeyer, now the journeyer may be feeling some anticipation of when's the next song going to start? When's the next song going to start? That's where you got to really be tuned in. You got to yeah. really be tuned into your journeyer state. I wonder, do you have like best practices for folks around how to choose music with their facilitator, how to collaborate with the facilitator? I mean, so much of this we're speaking about in the ceremonial space but I wonder if you have thoughts around how to even talk about music and preparation or, you know, leading up to an experience. You know, it's interesting because I think this is another one of those topics that unfortunately journeyers are inherently limited around because they've never experienced it before. And so you're kind of asking them for what they want in an arena that they have no real orientation around. Yeah. And so oftentimes what I hear is like, well, you know, what's best. You've done this before. Let's just use your music, which is totally fine, but it's important to at least have the discussion and invite in the opportunity for a journeyer to have a say. And the one thing I will always do is say, hey, if you have a couple of meaningful songs that you want, you know, uh, interspersed or, 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 you know, delivered at certain points in the journey, please share them with me so that I can prepare accordingly. Because I think one of the really cool things about music is we all have a song or two that's very comforting for us. And if we find ourselves in a place in the journey where nothing else is helping us find that little felt sense of comfort, that's a perfect inflection point where a facilitator can help by putting that song on. And all of a sudden you've got that warm hug or that little bit of tether of like, ah, this is my song, something familiar. (laughs) Or or if you're like me, you're white knuckling an experience solo and the same three and a half minute song you're playing on loop for four hours just so you can navigate whatever you're navigating. Like this is the power of music, you know? Totally, totally. Those are are some of my thoughts. Yeah, I, I guess I think you you answered that in a really beautiful and nuanced way. So I'll just back up to say that music is an important part of this process. You have some say here as a journeyer. You have autonomy. You have choice. 
your facilitator should be talking to you about music because it the same way that they're talking to you about location and dosage, like it's an integral part of the ceremonial container. And in there, there is a lot of ability to collaborate or you might, you know, in your own sovereignty, be like, I want my facilitator to, you know, handle this. And then I also really want to empower folks to do what's right for you and your intuition in that moment. If you need silence as a journeyer, ask for silence. If you need to skip a song, skip a song. If you need to ask the facilitator, if you notice them DJing a little too much to just like let it play, then let it play. This is so, so important for you to identify your needs because it's your experience. I actually think that's the bigger piece of advice that I would share with journeyers is speak up mm-hmm. because here's the thing. If you give full autonomy to the facilitator to choose the playlist, which is inherently fine, there's nothing wrong with that. But partway through, you're like, I want the volume down. I want the song to change. Please vocalize that. And that's one of the rules that I set in mm-hmm. containers before we even get started is like, Hey, no matter what you need, please ask for it. Whether a song is too loud, whether you want it changed, whether you want a different genre. Like I told you that I would handle the music. I'm going to put on what I, you know, have found to be my own version of a best practice. But if at any point that's not working for you, you're totally empowered to tell me to shut it off, adjust it, turn it down, hit next, whatever it is. And that I think is, is, perhaps more important or more foundational than you as a journey or picking the songs beforehand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This gets particularly interesting when folks come back for return ceremonies. If you need different music or there's music that's related to content. Like I have a client who is like, yeah, playing the guitar has been one of my creative expressions of integration. And so in that ceremony is like the third ceremony. We, we infused a lot of Spanish guitar into it, which is really cool. So I hope that this has been helpful for folks. I think that music is one of our really wonderful gifts as as a human. And it just so happens that it's so integral to psychedelic work. And so thanks for listening to us this week. You can download episodes of the Psychedelic Passage podcast, looking for all of our episodes anywhere that you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio. As always, we are looking to engage with our community, so feel free to reach out on our brand new website if there (laughs) are any notes or thoughts or anything that would help you get more value out of two best friends ranting about psychedelics. And so thank you all so much. We're so deeply, deeply honored to be here with you along this journey, and we will see you next week. I am excited to share a new offering that can be found on our website, psychedelicpassage.com, which is our digital store. We here at Psychedelic Passage are constantly thinking about ways to enrich the intentional psychedelic process for our community. 
And now with this digital store, you'll be able to find preparation guides, integration guides, and recorded workshops that are typically only available to our clients. We hope that this is an exciting offering and we look forward to adding more content over time. So check out the link in the episode description below or visit our website, psychedelicpassage.com. And we are very excited to expand our service offerings to the greater community.